Well, hello. And what? Excuse me. And welcome back to another scary episode of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth, and I got some skilly, skilly stuff for you today. And I want to tell you, I got episode 80, uh, 185, that uh, audio fix, so you can go back, check that story out, or check that episode out. I didn't realize when I put it in, the audio wasn't there. My bad. But anyways, it's fixed. Hope everybody had a great... Uh, Thanksgiving. Sorry, I'm uh, real late on this today. The uh, holidays kind of caught up with me, but that's okay. That's okay. Because I am here now to record. Just want to say thanks to everybody who listens, man. Numbers are looking good, getting bigger and growing, man. Just want to say thank you very much for listening. Wherever you listen to this, around the world, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, since this is Thanksgiving, this episode, you know, is around Thanksgiving, I figured I would tell some old haunted stuff about Plymouth, you know, because that's uh, supposedly where the first Thanksgiving was and all this. So I'm going to talk about the history of that today and some of the haunting places that are there okay here we go i hope you're ready haunted plymouth has been known as america's hometown over for over for more than four centuries and its history stretches back even further than that Ghosts and hauntings seem to be attached to attach themselves to locations over time. Houses, building, buildings of all sorts, even woods and entire towns. Plymouth has been it Plymouth has seen its share of real life horror stories, and so is a perfect place to find supernatural, to find the supernatural. One of the most, one of the first places Europeans craved out, carved out of a settlement in new, in the new world. Such a venture was bound from these, such a venture was bound, was bound from the start to be host to the type of, Misfortunate events which those who move into a new territory eventually find themselves up against. Little did, little did those first pilgrims realize the darkness which already lay over the abandoned Indian village. Populated only with bones and skulls which they choose to make their home. All right, now here's our first start, first little story. Sold into slavery in Spain, a Wapanonog tribesman makes his way home to discover his people's tragic fate. European captains visited the shore of North America prior to settle 
to settlement would often take Native Americans prisoners to later sell to sell as slaves. In 1614, a number of Wadapanag men were taken prisoner by the explorer Thomas Hunt and sold as slaves in Spain. One of these slaves, Tisquantum, was eventually feared and traveled to New England. Working for a number of years as a ship's builder, During his time in Europe, he became known as Sequata, the name which is most remembered in history. Looking to find his way home, and now flu- fluent in English, he got he got the position of interpreter for an expedition led by explorer Captain Robert Gorge. While in New England, the captain and his crew were killed by Chief Massasui and his Wanapagna men who sep- who spared Squata. Uh, That's the guy's name. Squata. Once free, he made his way back to his home. A village called Paltux, which lay here, which lay where modern day Plymouth now stands. When he arrived at Paltex, he found the entire village empty, having been dis- dismantled, in his abs- dismantled in his absence. From his pledge between 1614 to 1620, which uh, play, or the plagues between 1614 and, ni- and 1620, which wiped out much of the Native American tribes in New England, in the Maritimes. The Pilgrims set a crooked curse towards the New World. The people we call Pilgrims we've, who founded Plymouth Mass were religious separate, separatists led by William Bradford. He applied for and received a land patient which gave them a claim at the mouth of the Hudson River at present-day New York City. The pilgrims, having recently fled from Holland as they didn't care for the way of life intended on settling a bit further north, however, then the Dutch colony at New Amsterdam, but fate in strong winter gals blew them a bit further north than they planned. In addition to the pilgrims, the group consisted of men looking for a new start and who would be useful in carving out the new survival in the mostly unexplored North American wilderness. Their military leader was Miles Standish, a name familiar to most grade school students in their study of the first Thanksgiving and whose decision would have destroyous and <laughs> often fatal consequences for uh, for relations between the colony and the Native Americans. Two ships 
originally set out for North America, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. The Speedwell, however, did not live up to its name, causing the journey to be launched in tribes and drapes, as they had to return to port more than once for repairs. Before finally giving up on the vessel entirely, the consequences of this was was grave, and it meant that they would be taking half of their journey during freezer-winter gales and would be forced to stay on the Mayflower for most of the first winter after arriving as after arriving as there wouldn't be time to build the village before bad weather set in. It has also led to an overburdened ship, which suffered from overcrowding and lack of supplies. Their supplies had been further reduced by the need of need to sell them to raise money for the Speedwell's repairs. Of the 132 people crammed into the Mayflower, a 106-foot-long hull, which finally set sail across the Atlantic. Only one died during the crossing. Two months later, they settled land off of Cape Cod and November 11, 1620, dropped anchor off what is now Provincetown. Miles Saddish led the first expedition ashore, finding some Native American graves, which they disrupted and made off with the corn left for the dead. On another expedition, they fired up the local tribespeople in what is called the First Encounter. Fearing they've already gotten off on a bad foot, having fired upon the uh, Indians and distracted and disrupted their graves and not particularly happy with the lack of, with the look of the land the mayflower set off again while an anchor whoever tra- while an anchor however tragically had been following the group as the wife of William Bradford the 23-year-old Dorothy had fallen overboard quickly and drowned. Pulled under by the heavy weight of her uh, skirts in the frigid sea. A short story later made claim that it was due to guilt over an affair she was having. And her death was suicide. This is of course absolutely uh, poppycock. They simply was no place on board of the Mayflower to even constellate an affair. The Pilgrims arrive in Plymouth. On December 16th of 1920, the Mayflower entered uh, Plymouth Harbor. Three days later, they stepped ashore, according to legend, onto Plymouth Rock. Behind it, it behind it is where the town of Plymouth now stands. Indeed, the walk from there up Landon Street to the town square is the oldest continually used street in North America. Homes and workshops stood on Call Hill, close to the harbor. 
where areas the military bases and church lay further up on Fort Hill where the old burial ground is today. There was two spring wi springs winding through the site. A nearby river, oh, springs, and a nearby river, and it was previously the site of the Native Americans village of Potex, Potuitex, Potuitex. Anyways, the land was already cleared. It was an ideal location if if with one with a somewhat ghoulish history considering that they had been to the previous village. As there were no buildings ready for winter, the passengers had to spend most of their time on the Mayflower that first winter, which provided little shelter from the cold. In fact, the women and children and sick had not left the ship now for as long as six months. When construction started on December 23rd, scurvy was rampant. And out of the 102 pilgrims who set sail, 54 died during the first winter. William Bradford is quoted in Plymouth Rock. Well, anyways, I ain't going to read that. In fact, the only uh, seven of the entire company avoided sickness. It was down to few who were well to bury the dead. By the end of January, the settlement was far enough along to finally begin moving off the ship. During the first encounter with the woman. Wap, Wapan, the Wapata, the Wapanog, the settlers learned of the local chief, Massasoit, as well as Squato, who would, if I'm, I know I'm butchering these Indian names, and I'm very sorry, who would become essentially the Connolly's survi survival. Massasoit was a superstitious of the Europeans, already aware that they had fired upon the local population of Cape Cod, as well as distracted their, disrupted their graves. It's generally credited to Squato for helping negotiate a peace treaty, which gave the settlers the Native Americans blessings to beard, to the to build in the. Uh, blessings in building their town there. It's also said that the corpse corpses would be prop proper properly would be propped up at guards post. Discuss as the living when they weren't enough men to cover all the uh, stations. It was also Squata who taught the Europeans how to plant corn and uh, survive in the North American wilderness. By the time of what is known as the first Thanksgiving, only 54 pilgrims remained alive. And of these, only four were adult women. Oh my God. Massasoit 
continue to honor the treaty he had signed with the pilgrims up till his death. Skawata died of fever in 1622, the last of the Pontex tribe. Haunted Plymouth Rock gives up the first settler's bones on Coal Hill. The bodies were returned in 1920 in a granite monument called the Sarscorpocos, which stands in Coal Hill, overlooking the harbor. The inscript reads, in part, I'm not going to read what the inscription says, but there's a monument there about, you know, where all these... Uh, for the graves were. After the first Thanksgivings, tensions would grow increasingly worse between the Native Americans and the settlers. And new settlers and a new settlement was by new arrivals from Europe near present-day Weymouth, Massachusetts. When word of a feared Native American attack reached Plymouth, Miles Standish who fired the first shot ever at the Indians in the first encounterment, arranged a meeting with two of the Native American leaders for negotiations. Rather than negotiate, Standish stabbed and killed them. What a fucking jerk. Jesus. <coughs> Later, a Native American leader, Metocon, or he had or as he has became known, King Philip rose up against the whites and was quickly beaten back and driven into the swampy area of nearby Rhode Island. There he was shot by another Native American. His body was taken to Plymouth, where it was sold for a million. No, I'm just kidding. Or his body where it was cut up into four pieces and hung from the trees. His head mounted on a spike for air for over 20 years. Just off Plymouth Town Square. What the hell's wrong with these people? Downtown Haunted Plymouth, Plymouth is awash with four centuries of ghosts. Plymouth Rock has grown over the past four centuries. But in the center of town where European settlement in New England first took root, the past still lingers on. Leyden Street, which follows more or less the original layout of Plymouth Plantation, is lined with colonial era houses and stores, as well as some of the earliest churches and civic buildings. Tourist is a staple of Plymouth, and haunted tourism is going strong. But many of these stories lie behind the private doors, where the people of Plymouth, steadfast New Englanders, like to keep their own secrets. Okay, the definitive guide to Haunted Plymouth. Oh, I'm going to read that part. Okay. A lot of heartbreak and tragedy 
can go down over 400 years, and Plymouth has seen its share of both. Lee manages to find the seldom-told stories of haunted Plymouth families living in private homes which have been occupied and haunted over the centuries. Walking these streets once, trolled by the pilgrims and other, other early settlers, history is stacked atop itself in layers which sometimes seep through in the atmosphere leads itself to a mysterious and somewhat malogical mood for those with a darkened disposition. Haunted Plymouth lies claimed to being the only house in Massachusetts which is legally haunted. The Captain Thomas Phillips house, following an 18th century court ruling, the tenants at the time reported doors and windows opening on their own and moved out, as well as other... as, a, as well as other mischievous stuff spreading through the story throughout Plymouth of a former excuse me, resident who lived beyond his watery grave, aided by the devil. In 1734, the landlord brought suit against the attendants, who made the claim that because of the hauntings, the house could not be lived in. What the court actually ruled was that the attendant believe in ghosts could not be proven to be true or false. And therefore, could not be disclaimed or disclaimed or be claimed as slander. The same devils that were to affect Salem took hold for a time in Plymouth as well, but with different results. Through writ through witchcraft was punishable by death in Plymouth, and it was in Salem the only two cases brought to trial led to not guilty verdicts the fines for those who had uh, brought charges lee points to north street as the beating heart of the haunted plymouth there are one find there one finds the trask museum which once operated as a historical museum full of exhibits and victorian furnishings, and history. While the current generation of Trask worked to restore the house, they were frequently interrupted by spiritual footsteps, disembottled and, mo disembottled and moaning, groaning, and doors opening, and slamming closed without aid of human hands. The muse museum is now host to ghost investigations open to the public, and run every uh, night, pretty much. Which also runs the old North Street T in Cursedisha in the uh, Curse uh, Shop. Okay, never mind the gift shop, which has its own place in Haunted Plymouth. Jan Williams, who runs the tours as well as the shop, claims that. Super, supernatural occurrences 
happen on an almost daily basis. Monthly investigations are held in the shop. Their guests can stay overnight in their own haunted bathroom or bedroom. And what Williams believes to be the most haunted place in Plymouth. Tables moving by themselves. Overnight guests were awaking to feel an invisible presence. Breath on their face are just some of what have been expected, experienced here. Jan explained that the, uh, okay. Oh, it's just talking about an article. Perhaps the creepiest supernatural resident of Plymouth is Abigail. An eight-year-old girl who died of an infected tooth in the uh, Spooner house. Also a museum now. She has opened the door for people, appears in windows, and has even been spotted jumping rope in the alley next to or next door. Here are some hidden charms in Haunted Plymouth. And what Dorsey Lee claims is the most haunted house in Plymouth. A girl she was found built into the walls. This was a common practice in Britain and throughout Europe in the past. With thousands of shoes being found over the years, it's believed it was done to prevent hauntings or visitations by demons, witches, and other evil influences. Hidden objects, also called supernatural. Medians have been found as far back as the chore stalls in the Winchester Cathedral in Britain, which were established in 1308. It has been believed that these gifts built into the house itself might have been to bestow hauntings on the owners, which finds an Mem finds a great memory in the practice of bride throwing her shoe before leaving for the honeymoon. Or dying shoes to or tying shoes to the bumper of the wedding couple's car. Most examples of hidden shoes in the U.S. have been found in New England, heavily settled by the English, who seem to have brought the practice with them. And it could be that these gifts were meant for brownies or hobs, household fairies who could wreak havoc on the home but were thought to be pleasant by gifts of clothing. At any rate, the shoe did not appear to do the trick in placing the spirits in the home. Haunted Plamus public spaces gives up its own ghost. The modern John Carver Inn near the town square where King Philip's <coughs> head stood on a pike for on a spike for two decades is believed to be haunted thanks to being built on the location of a former house which stood there during the revolution. It is thought that the medical students who once occupied the house were stealing corpses from the nearby Burial Hill graveyard for their own experiments. 
The old courthouse in the town square is also thought to have its own ghost. Window shades are pulled to the side by invisible hands when the building is empty, as though something inside wants to see out. Footsteps approaching when no one is there have been experienced, as well as the sound of melting ice echoing in the building, which was built in 1749. A tragedy in Plymouth Harbor whose victims, victims still wander the night. That sound can be traced to the unfortunate story of the General Arnold, Arnold, which became trapped in the ice in Plymouth Harbor and sank in 1778. The ships set sail on Christmas Eve that year, only to find itself in a blizzard on the open sea. Captain James McGee steered his ship into Plymouth Harbor, only to find the blizzard prevented any pilots from coming to their aid to guide them safely into the harbor. In a void, in a void shoals and sandbars, which would cause the ship to run aground. You're full of ship. Despite, despite that, despite that, they tried to reach the harbor, but ran aground with the tide, splitting the ship's seams. The crew was forced to ride out the storm with the with little shelter, and no heat. When the people of Plymouth saw the ship and realized their fate, they came up with a plan to reach the sailors. Lashing together, eyes flows, they built a causeway to the ship, but when they reached the, reached the half-submerged ship, they found that 70 of the crew had already died, and... Of the 33 who were still alive, nine of those died on shore. The courthouse was used as a temporary morgue, and some of the bodies had to be lowered into the town brook to th thaw the bodies. They were in interred in a mass grave on Burial Hill. Captain James McGee survived the ordeal, but requested that one that on his death he be brought back to Plymouth and buried with his lost crew. His ghost is still spotted in the graveyard along with the unfortunates, unfortunate who perished in the harbor and one of the largest of the spirits in haunted Plymouth. The dead of haunting the dead of haunted Plymouth is residing in Old Burial Hill. The graves on Old Burial Hill date back to the 1600s. Though most of those were now lost, though they were carved of wood. It sits back on the side of what was once Fort Hill, where the pilgrims built the fort and meeting house. Some of those first residents are buried there, including William Bradford as well as the last surviving passenger who came over on the uh, Mayflower. It sets atop Leyden Street, 
which once ran through Plymouth Plantation, the first European street in the New World. The most evoked spirit in haunted Plymouth are a Victorian couple who visit Old Burial Hill to pay respects to their lost daughter. The sadness of the pair is said to be overwhelming, and they have been spotted walking the pathways and approaching the graveyard from the summer street. Sorry, uh, that's the washer going. I didn't shut the door good enough. Once the sound goes down, once the sun goes down, Burial Hill becomes the province of the paranormal, with apparitions such as pilgrims and Victorian parents kneeling at their children's graves frequently. Some ways, the cemetery is haunted by a husband and wife who lost their two-year-old daughter, Elda Elizabeth Spear. The Victorian couple is said to visit their daughter's nearby grave approaching from Summer Street. A, dissident of the, uh, a descendant of the original Mayflower Company, Thomas Southwood Howland, is buried there as well. In the 18th century, Howland began to in fact an old woman who was living in a shack built on land he owned the old woman turned out to be a witch who was given the name mother crew who placed a curse on him make your peace because you will not live to see another sunset they will dig your grave on burial hill she was wrong he did live to a he did live to see the sunset, but the next day he thrown the next day he was thrown from his horse and killed. <clears throat> wow, that's pretty messed up. Another na another native spirit given the name Mary also frightens people on occasion. Pacing the stairs, pacing town square and occasionally coming after visitors. Jeffrey Campbell, who operates Plymouth Night Tour, believes the old burial hill is home of a Native American cryptid, which they called the Pucko Wedge, similar in nature to the Brownie or other European fairies. Campbell claims to have seen three of them dancing around the graveyard and hiding behind the graves of these sailors from the from the general Arland. All these spirits and ghosts remain a mystery and likely always will. Today life in the town is much easier, less prone to suicide, tragedy, and yet there is still ghosts being added to the uh, phenom of supernatural mysteries which haunt Plymouth to this day. Well, a place like that with a lot of history and a lot of death, I bet you they're going to have a shit ton of ghosts. And I do mean a shit ton. Well, guys, I'm glad you guys uh, were patient and got to hear the show today. This was the Thanksgiving kind of like special. But uh, 